0: Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast world. My name is Brooke McAllery.
1: My name is Ben McCallery and welcome to episode four, season five. We're halfway through this season already. That is true. Yeah, and uh, you know what, the topic and theme for this week I've been really looking forward to because it's been something that we've really prioritised over the last six to nine months because... It's a thing that we constantly spoke about while we were away.
0: I don't think we necessarily realized we were doing this, but as we traveled mm. last year and the year before, and when we loved a place, I think we started to add traits of those places to a list, you know, a running list of, of things that we wanted in the place we eventually would settle. And the topic of this week is one of those traits, one of the ones that was near the top of every list we made, and that's community, you know, and I think. It was interesting to me that community ended up so high on the list because I don't necessarily think we'd ever really had that sense of community in places that we'd lived before. And I don't think that's a reflection of the places that we lived. I think that's a reflection of where we were at. But it was really, I don't know, it quite, um, it's quite telling that that was something that we appreciated so much in the places that we travelled, and was one of the things that really, I guess, appealed to us
1: about where we ended up settling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely a priority. And yeah, let's well, you know, let's explore this a little further. Let's let's, do let's that. get into it. All right. So we've spoken about community a lot. Yeah, especially over the last twelve months, I think in this on this podcast, and uh, it's it's an idea that I think we both struggle with a little hmm. bit. So why do you think that is? Why do we struggle with the idea of community?
0: I think I mean I know I struggle with community because I don't think I ever necessarily understood quite what it was mm. for me. Like community was sort of being the like the rah rah cheerleader almost, yeah. like in yeah. in your local neighbourhood, and like showing up for all of the things and Beyond fronting all of the committees, committees and, and yeah, all of that sort of yeah. stuff. And that's fine. And I know a lot of people really find themselves.
1: And that's definitely, you know, community. That
0: can, that's one Being sense of community. member of community. Totally. It's yeah. a one, one sense mm-hmm. and important sense of community. But yeah. for me, I took that picture and like, I of course blew it up to 150% mm. and I'm like, I can't do that. That's yeah. not me. I'm introverted. I can't be involved in all of the committees and Attend all of the events and, you know, drive all of these things. And like, what an egocentric way of looking at community, oh. truly. Th- mm. But that's how I was doing you were, it. Yeah, and yeah. I think I was doing that from a from a place of insecurity, mm-hmm. from a place of um, uncertainty, from a place of really horrible self esteem, um, from a place of fear uh, mm. of you know of, of being found to be lacking or of not fitting like it felt like you know those first days of high school all over again like i got the same sense of anxiety and insecurity then as i did
1: which is so strange yeah i think that makes a lot of sense and it was sort of where you were on your journey yeah so that makes you know it just wasn't about community it was an extension of everything that you were you know feeling and 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 living at the at that time but so what do you think's changed like what has because you don't feel like that now do you
0: no, I don't, and that's been an intentional. Yeah, <laughs> you, you looked relieved. <laughs> <laughs> that's been an intentional choice. You know, it was
1: a half question. Do I you feel like doing... that now, do you?
0: I think I know the answer. Yeah. Uh, no, I think my understanding of community has changed too, and it's relaxed a lot. Like I've relaxed what that means, and for me, community can absolutely be the place you live. Mm. More importantly, finding a sense of belonging and of being seen and known and valued as a member of that community that's what for me being a part of community is it doesn't mean that i know everyone in town yeah. <laughs> like that doesn't i don't need to know everyone before i feel a sense of community and it doesn't necessarily mean being involved in everything either i think community can be much gentler than that
1: mm.
0: you know i first started feeling a sense of belonging in our new community when the people at the coffee shop knew our names mm-hmm. that didn't take very long You know, and that to me was just like that first tendril of belonging. Connection. Yeah. And it was important to me, probably more important than it should have been. But I I think I've also kind of realized that community can also spring up around central purpose and that doesn't need to be uh, where you're located. You know, communities, true communities can exist online. Yep. Um, True communities can exist in people from separate areas coming together around a central purpose or uh-huh. passion or you know anything it can be placed but it can also be other other reasons and I think acknowledging that I was I was seeking one kind of community experience and ignoring all the others meant that I was kind of afraid of it whereas now I understand that you can find that Elmo community in lots of ways that aren't necessarily scary mm-hmm. and I, it, that's definitely changed um, for me and you know I also probably have a stronger Mm, I wouldn't say that. I was going to say a stronger sense of self-esteem, but I have more insight into how I feel, you know, so I'm able to say, am I really not wanting to do this or am I just afraid that people won't like me
1: and mm. pushing through that fear? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think the Slow Your Home community has always been a wonderful community. Absolutely. And it's certainly one of the reasons why we're here. Oh, yeah. And why we continue to to record the podcast is because the feedback that we get from the Slow Your Home communities fantastic it's amazing as an extension of that how does slow living fit in within does it have anything to do with community yeah definitely can you i'm going to answer my own question here can you create a slow slow living community we've done that Mm -hmm. can you do one on a local level like on a more immediate local level
0: yeah i think so i think where we live is as close as you're going to get Mm. i really do and i don't i We lucked into that. I don't think that was necessarily something we could have understood as people who didn't live here before we moved here. Yeah. I'm grateful that our gut feeling was correct.
1: Yeah, we certainly didn't move into an area knowing it was slow.
0: No. I mean, that's kind of funny now because I can definitely see that it is.
1: Maybe subconsciously, maybe
0: yeah. But it was more so the traits, like going back to what we said at the beginning of the episode, mm. we had traits of a yeah, place, that's and true. probably those traits really were that's slow, slow town traits. But we reversed engineered, <laughs> I guess we did. Yeah. We're much smarter than yeah. I thought we were. Uh, but yes, to answer your question, I think that it is possible. But look at slow from different angles to get an idea of what you're actually saying by a slow living community, because I think when you say it, people will get a certain image in their head of what that looks like. And that's one option. There are many ways of Mm. creating or becoming part of a community in a slow way. And for me, slow looks like not rushing. It looks like allowing myself to have a 30-minute conversation over the fence with our neighbour when, yes, technically there's probably other things I could be doing. It's taken me at least six months to relax into that, Mm. to be truthful. That's something that I didn't necessarily expect to have to grapple with. So slow equals not rushing and, and allowing yourself time, like to go down to the fruit shop, and know that you are in for a twenty-minute conversation, absolutely without question. Uh, but slow also means having patience in allowing bonds and connections to unfold slowly. Like as a newcomer to a relatively small town, you can't force that stuff. I, and I am also being me. I am not going. I am not going to try. You know, and need to be comfortable in taking time to meet people and introduce myself to people and to get to know people. Um, And that's where the third kind of angle of slow and community comes into it for me, which is intention. You know, slow also means having intention and being really mindful Um, and mindfully and intentionally putting myself into situations, community situations where I might actually meet like-minded people. So that was going to a yoga class. Uh, have, you know, going and working out of the local arts co-op, talking to the farm manager from Moon Acres and getting involved in a couple of projects in the community and allowing over time those connections to either happen or not, yeah. you know, and, and kind of remove expectation from it. I don't need to come into this and make a new best friend.
1: That's not necessarily what I'm looking for here. Was that your perception of what a community was before oh, that? God, maybe. And maybe that was all linked into the self-esteem theme. As I well. think so. Yeah,
0: because yeah. what I did realize within the first couple of months of living here was that I was really lonely.
1: Yeah. Like, like there was a point in time where I thought it wasn't going to work.
0: Yeah, I felt like very I, isolated.
1: You felt very like you were not in a great spot.
0: Yeah, and that's not reflection of the community at all. Mm. That was me preferring to be an outsider and i've done this my whole life i've always preferred the status of an outsider Mm. because it's safer yep i'm probably going to walk through this room at this conference and not know anyone and that's okay because i'm just heading to the toilet to sit there for 20 minutes anyway and then i'll get brave enough and i'll do it coming back and that's also fine and like that that's my experience and i kind of Almost owned it, yeah. but also hated it at the same time.
1: But that's like, I mean, it builds into the whole theme of you being an introvert as well. Yeah, and, and it's
0: fine. It's so, so another part is just accepting yeah. and acknowledging my needs. So the antidote to loneliness is not the same for everyone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Loneliness is essentially not having your personal social needs met. And my needs are different to yours, different to everyone who's listening, you know, so... For someone to say the cure to loneliness is to go and join three clubs and to make five new friends and like, that sounds mm. scary to me. That's yeah. too much.
1: KPI on yeah. communities.
0: Yeah, there's no, yeah. Like, there's no such thing. It's oh. about finding your needs and mm. balancing them across like, all your needs. And for me that's been doing things like going to the coffee shop and working occasionally, um, just allowing myself to be more open in my body language to, when I do have conversations with people, ask questions mm. and listen to the answers and remember things about people and check in, follow up. Say, oh, hey, how's your son? I know he broke his arm. Mm. Is he feeling better? Yeah. Like that's...
1: Sorry again. <laughs>
0: You know, and I, like, so I think that there's all sorts of small things that I can do that really do add up to a sense of belonging, not in any big
1: showy way, just in like a quiet kind of way. I think kids help a lot with building community as well.
0: I think they certainly are here. Yes.
1: And. I think that's fairly universal. Uh, when you have to, you do have kids of school age, that, and as they get older, there's all these sub communities that come together, and it makes this bigger picture of what a community is like. Have you had to think, rethink, like your old beliefs <laughs> and patterns, and most importantly, boundaries yeah. around you and being available to the community? Yes. Yeah. Like, hundred percent. Mm. Yes.
0: So, I, I mean, obviously I think I've been rethinking the whole self-esteem issue um, and value, you know, I never quite understood where my value as a human in a community was. I assumed that there wasn't any. So, mm. again, that was a way of kind of protecting myself. So rethinking that and acknowledging that maybe I do have something of value to offer the community in some small sort of way. So allowing myself to be open to that. But also, I think, as you said, with kids, I've had to let go a lot of what I thought slow living should look like as a family for me. And when the kids were younger, it looked like a lot of unstructured, unscheduled time, free time. And that's what I thought slow living should look like. And for us, for a long time it worked because it was important for the kids to have that downtime and that time where they could be bored. But at the moment, the ages that they are, they're 9 and nearly 11, they're actually doing more activities than they have ever done before. It's only 3. It's not like every day or anything like that. It used to be
1: 2, but now it's 3. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and I've had to rethink that. And Mm. for them it's important because they're finding their feet in community too.
1: That's true. They need to find their people. friends and...
0: And similarly, you and I are also doing actual activities. You know, I used to think that if I wanted to exercise, I was self-sufficient and driven enough to do it by myself. And if I wanted to connect with people, I was intelligent enough to go ahead and do it. And the fact that I didn't meant that I didn't want to. None of that's true. Mm. None of that's actually true. That was, again, just me hiding and protecting myself. So I'm taking classes in the community and, you know, doing lessons and stuff. So what are you
1: doing? What are you actually doing to build community?
0: I mean, there's the classes, which is one thing, but I feel like I'm just participating there. I'm not necessarily building anything. I do think it's important, though, to support local people in your community who are building things.
1: Oh, yeah. So local
0: yoga class, um, the kids are taking a local acting class. That kind of stuff is really important to support and show up for people. Otherwise, it's not going to keep happening. Sure. You know, but in terms of projects that I'm, involved in there's one which is a community garden which is just starting to kind of move towards getting up off the ground Uh, and that's something that I've always been interested in being a part of so I think that's probably the the thing that I've committed my time and energy to for the next while and I know
1: you're doing yeah I'm taking the mentoring work that I was doing uh, in our previous community and and introducing a program here Um, that's again just getting off its feet now um, so, really, really pumped about what that looks like. I think it's also important not to like rush in. So, totally. I'm just thinking about the way that we've got, we've waited a good six to nine months to, to sort of even start yep. doing that. And I think that's important too.
0: Oh, I think so. I think it's important in it for like the people that we are. Um, and I think it's important for me to not have like gone and committed to 17 different things all at once. And that's, understanding our boundaries and our needs and our um, other requirements, like our work and family requirements. Uh, but also I think you need to give yourself, or I certainly needed to give myself an opportunity to just get a sense of how things work and yeah. the pace at which things unfold and, you know, the expectations of people, all that kind of stuff, because it's different. But I think if I took my preconceived ideas or my old patterns of behaviour to this new setting, it wouldn't work. And I'd come in like a bull at a gate into a situation where that would not work for anyone. So yeah, I agree with you that slow is also just taking time Mm. and letting that unfold. So how do you
1: balance being an introvert and recognising those needs of it of of being an introvert and, and balance that with being more available to your community?
0: Yeah, I think it's something I'm still learning, definitely. But i have I have figured out by now that I will sometimes be overtaken with an energy to commit to things that is not sustainable. so acknowledging that is really important. and part of that is just being mindful of what my requirements are elsewhere. you know like and I, find, I I've got to admit I find that really difficult because my work is very on and off, mm. like I'm writing a book at the moment. So I'm saying no or not taking up the invitation to be part of certain things at the kids' school, for example, or other community projects that I might otherwise have said yes to. But that doesn't mean that I don't want to do it at all. It just means that I can't now. So I need to make sure that what I'm doing works with my work yes.
1: requirements,
0: yes. Um, but also with my energy requirements. And to do that, I kind of think about what I'm capable of doing when even I'm feeling my most introverted. That's sort of like the low base of which to operate. Otherwise, I'll put myself in a position where I will burn out mm. or get peopled out, which happens a, lot, a bit. Mm. And it means that I can't show up for things in the way that I would like to. I would prefer to do slightly fewer things across all areas of my life and show up to the ones that I commit to fully with presence and I need to keep that in mind when I'm saying yes or not right now to yeah, things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of funny when you think about community. You've got one community over here which might be school, one community over here that might be work, one community that might be not those things but mm. connected somehow. So like, the, you're sort of joining the dots and there's like this spider web of interconnecting communities mm. that form maybe one whole sense of community. Do you think that you can have is it, do you think that there is one community that can deliver all your needs? Mm,
0: probably not. Mm. I doubt it. I mean, not for me. Yeah. The closest I've ever come, honestly, was when we were living in Canmore.
1: <laughs> okay. Just explain
0: because there were so many of the elements of a life well lived, as far as we see mm-hmm. it, that applied to Canmore yep. in Alberta, yep. in Canada. Um, but even that wasn't everything because our family wasn't there, yeah. You know, so for me, I really actually don't think so, and I think that it's more important, at least where I'm at with myself at the moment, to develop the ability to allow that sense of belonging in various places and acknowledge that you can find like minded people in one sense, in a community, and you can be like-minded in several ways, but it doesn't have to be all of them. Mm -hmm. You know, you you don't need to find like that one person in the world who's your soulmate. You can find that like-mindedness and that companionship and that
1: camaraderie and
0: connection um, centered around a particular part of life or a particular Mm. type of community. Mm. And then you can go to another area of your life or another group of people and get a different kind of sense of community. And it overall adds up to a broader
1: sense of belonging. I think you're exactly right. And I totally agree with you about Canmore. That's the closest it's got. Yeah, and to, even that, I mean, so... and Yeah, you're right. I think some people can find it.
0: I have no doubt.
1: And, yep. I've, and I've, I've seen it. People connect themselves wholeheartedly to community and like they're all in. Do you know what I mean?
0: I do. Yeah. I do. So, you know, they become like a... I think there's probably a lot of people like that where we live mm. who have lived here their mm. whole lives and maybe they grew up here and their families are from here yeah. uh, and, and that is a, a part their of their identity, identity is, is this yeah. community. And I I think that was my problem with community was that that was the only thing I thought community was and it mm. works for so yeah. many people and it's a beautiful thing and it it is the foundation on which strong physical communities are built. Yeah. You know, and we need people like that. I just worried that I wasn't that kind of person and therefore I would never find that sense of belonging that, certain, that some people seem to have. Yeah, But yeah. what I think the last couple of years have taught me is that you can find that sense of community in lots of different places. Because I, you know, I have too much of a wandering tendency maybe mm. to ever fully picture myself being in one place forever. I don't know. I certainly don't have all the answers about community and I certainly don't have, like I'm not living the perfect community-based life but it's really been quite good to explore how my idea of community has changed over the last couple of years and I feel much more grounded here than I have in most other places. I think changes are
1: happening with community and I think time will tell what that will actually look like for you and me as well.
0: Yeah. Do you mean community here, or community in general, Like in people's general, idea of I just feel community? like
1: community has such an important role to play, more more so than any other time. And just for, in terms of action and getting things yeah. done. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sort of referencing climate. I'm referencing grassroots um, change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know. Now let's also introduce the guest for the second part of mm. this conversation. Now probably one of our youngest guests.
0: Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. So I spoke with Lauren, the lovely, lovely Lauren, for episode four of season four. And Lauren and I spoke about slow living in your 20s. And we spoke about that because Lauren found that so much of the The information out in the world about slow living came from people who were more firmly established, I guess, in life, so people in their 30s and 40s, and as a result, some of the advice was just not relevant or applicable, and it was amazing to me to see how many people found Lauren's position, like Mm. Lauren's questions, Lauren's struggles, to be relevant. And it wasn't just people in their 20s. There was a lot of people listening who were like, yes, excellent. This is where I'm at. I needed this. But there were a lot of people in their 30s and 40s who found so much of what she had to share um, relevant. And I loved speaking with Lauren because again, much like Georgie last week, Lauren was just so keen to act and change and to make these shifts. It was just a matter of knowing how and where to best her energy. So, we spoke a lot about reflecting on what her younger self would think about where she was at today and what her older self would think about where she was at and what advice she may give to her current self.
1: Okay.
0: Um, but we also spoke about values and also uh, about what slow living, what Lauren feels slow living should look like. And how that wasn't necessarily compatible with your 20s. Yeah. You know, like slow living as a picture is a particular thing, whether you like it or not, like particularly in this, the age of social media, you see what slow living looks like. And Lauren's like, it appeals to me, but that's not my life and it doesn't fit. So she was going to go on a uh, slow living social media kind of band slash hiatus for a few
1: weeks. <laughs> Fast.
0: Yeah. She was fasting. She was fasting. So in this conversation, we catch up. We hear about her efforts to think about younger and older Lauren and also reframing her thoughts on slow living and success and it's a great chat so I hope you enjoy it.
1: Should be interesting. Head over to slowyourhome.com slash season five for the show notes uh, for this episode and uh, yeah, let's catch up with Lauren.
0: Lovely Lauren, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all the better for speaking with you. Um, it's been a few months since we last chatted and I'm really excited to hear what's been happening with you, um, to hear you know, whether you're able to work through some of the, the, the tasks and ideas we spoke about last year. Um, but before we do that, I just wanted to tell you how grateful I am to you because I think that hearing you talk about your questions and the things that you're challenged by and the things that you're juggling at the moment has helped so many people and not just people in in their 20s, even though that was sort of the the, the way into our conversation. I think you gave people permission to acknowledge that we don't have all the answers and that we do have an overwhelming number of options um, at our disposal and that that can not feel like freedom. (laughs) You know, that can feel really terrifying. So I just wanted to let you know um, that your episode has made such a a massive difference um, and you being so honest and open has made a massive difference to people. So thank you. Well,
2: that really means a lot. Thank
0: you. I mean it. (laughs) So I am really curious to know uh, how, you, how you've been over the past few months and, um, you know, what some of the shifts that you might have made are. I, I think I wanted to start with the values exercise, if that's okay, uh, because I think it's a really powerful tool that can help people find a little more clarity about choices and, and decisions and directions did you get a chance to work through the values exercise that we spoke about? And I know I sent one to you after we chatted.
2: Yeah, I did. And I found it really, really helpful. Oh, good. Um, so I think I've done a few things like that before. But for some reason, the one that I did this time, it just really helped everything kind of click for me. Okay. I can't even remember the process. But I remember that I got these three values out of it. And I genuinely think about them like every day now. it's really helped me because they do cut across work and personal life and other things. So it's been really nice to to kind of have that as more of a framework. If I'm trying to make decisions, I can actually use those, um, go back to those and see how they fit with the different options. Mm.
0: Yeah, I I know for me, I I feel much the same when I have one of those those decisions that I'm, I'm a little stuck on you know, it can sometimes just give you that boost in clarity or really direct your attention in a particular way because you've already done the work of knowing what's important to you. It's really helpful to be able to refer back to that framework at those many times where the overwhelming busyness and, and fullness of life can kind of blur. Did, was there anything that you discovered that surprised you?
2: The way I did it, um, and I don't think this was necessarily what the exercise said, but it just kind of made sense to me. It's like I almost made like a hierarchy of values, so. This is the kind of number one value. If that's met, then think about these other things. The big value that came to was integrity. And that's basically, I don't even know really how to put words around it, but knowing whether something kind of meets my ethics or not. Right. um, Would be kind of the deal breaker value, as it were. And then the second value is empathy. And I was thinking that meaning like myself and other people. So, you know, having integrity, having these values, but at the same time, you know, being kind of empathetic towards myself, if I can't always meet that, you know, kind of loosening it a bit, so it's not so kind of hard, hard Mm -hmm. and fast. Yeah. And then if those values are met, kind of the the final value being um, curiosity, which is kind of like learning, more fun, more kind of just following your interests. So that's really helped me to look at situations where there's times where it's definitely a deal breaker, yes or no, Mm -hmm. or there's other times where it's like, actually, I could make this work, but Maybe I need to bring in these other things, and that's been really
0: helpful. I really like that idea of having the hierarchy, uh, and as you said, just going on what felt instinctually the best fit for you is kind of that's the whole point of doing a values <laughs> exercise. So I love yeah. that you made it work in a way that works for you. Uh, and also, I think sometimes when we when when we set these values, as you said, it can it can become this hard and fast thing that is very outward looking. So. I love that when you said you you highlighted empathy as your second value it's also one that you turn towards yourself you know because I think sometimes we can wear them like an we can wear values like an armor and kind of use them to barrel mm-hmm. through and 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 not necessarily take care of ourselves in the doing of that um so I think that's really wonderful that you were aware enough to to recognize that that's what you you could potentially do and to turn our empathy around to to yourself Has doing that work and and sort of creating that that framework changed anything about your day-to-day life from when we last spoke?
2: Yeah, definitely. So I guess on like a day-to-day practical level, like every week I tend to do like a review of the week. So just like take like half an hour to just like note down what I've done that week and how it's been. And now I do kind of order it by that. So I'm like, okay, how did I meet these values this week? So these are some times where I showed integrity and I'm really proud of those times and it might be times where like I had to use a bit of grit to do something that I didn't really want to do but you know kind of had to or I'm I'm proud that I did that or were there times this week where I actually needed like a bit of self-care or I just needed to go easy on myself that would fall more under the empathy and it's almost like um a bit of a gratitude list but more like my achievements so really showing myself like, oh, you know, I have lived these values this week and I'm really proud that I've done those things.
0: And the choices that you're making, you know, I think we can often get kind of stuck in the the immediacy and forget the positive choices that we've made in even the recent past. So I love that idea of a review as well, because it allows you just for a moment to say, you know, yes, today may have not gone to plan, but for this week, look at all the choices that I made and look at how they're aligned and and look at how grateful I am to myself and how proud I am for for making those choices. Like it's a much more holistic, balanced way of viewing our progress, I think.
2: They've just been kind of like a lens to view different things, mm. whether it's kind of future decisions or looking at the past and looking at, yeah, this is what I did this week. These are some choices I've made. So I found it really, really helpful because I think what we spoke about before was like having so many options and feeling overwhelmed by possibility, which is like a massively privileged position to be in. But at the same time, it can be really overwhelming. So I think having like a lens to kind of filter things through has really helped me in my approach to things. Mm,
0: and narrowing almost, but in a positive yeah. way, <laughs> not in a negative way. Um, and I know we, we spoke really briefly before I hit record um, and I'm curious about this. I know you've had some bigger changes, not just kind of day-to-day shifts as well. What, what's
2: what been happening? <laughs> yeah, so I think we spoke um, before. there was a few months until the end of my work contract. So I was on like a one-year contract um, with the potential to extend, but I was really thinking a lot about what I wanted to do after that job and in some ways like it felt quite good and in some ways it didn't quite fit and I was feeling quite overwhelmed with what to do next in terms of career in terms of where i wanted to live what I wanted my life outside of work to be like because I think that is also a factor in like choosing your job in terms of is it going to take a lot of overtime or is it going to take a lot of energy from you um so using the values really helped me in my approach to this so I started looking for new jobs and then as I kind of saw jobs I was able to see right actually this fits really well in these areas and it doesn't fit so well in these areas. Um and I was kind of in a situation where I had to choose between two um and it really helped me decide okay this is the one to go for. So basically I moved from London to Wales um which is uh probably about three four hours oh, ago wow. still in the city it's in Cardiff which is the capital city of Wales Um, but very different kind of pace of life much smaller city much more affordable much more kind of sustainable and it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time but I just was really worrying about the trade-offs and things like that Um, but I've got a new job which is much more kind of aligned with that integrity part that really 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 fits well with that Um, and even though there were other things where I was like oh you know the pay is not as good or I'm going to have a longer commute I was able to say but this is really really important to me So that really helped
0: me make the decision. So new city, new country, (laughs) new job. (laughs) My goodness. Uh, I think it's wonderful to hear that. I mean, I talk about values a lot and I know how they they have helped things unravel for me in a positive way, like unravel problems and um, tricky situations and decisions for me. But to hear how you're able to, as you say, use them as a lens through which to view decisions and to make decisions and to see how that has helped in a very, very real, tangible sense is phenomenal to hear. Uh, you know, I, I just think it's kind of testament to how important it is to to ask ourselves these questions and to do the work of figuring out what our priorities and values are. Like not because necessarily the excavation in itself is delightful like it can be hard um it it can be really difficult but because it allows us then to have this this framework uh and how how are you settling in you feeling good about all the changes
2: yeah I'm feeling really good um even other things like um living in London I was living with my family just because of kind of the cost of living there is so high And now I'm able to afford to rent somewhere and start having my own place. And I originally kind of studied near this area, so Mm -hmm. I know it quite well. But So I already have some roots here, but I kind of knew in the long term, in terms of putting roots down for the future, this is sort of the area I wanted to be. Um, And I've been wanting to do it for a long time, but it was just, obviously it is a big change and it is a big risk, but as much as possible, knowing that I've made that for the right reasons. Initially, I was like, that thing where you're like, oh, no, what have I done? Mm -hmm. But actually feeling, like, so much more settled now and feeling like, why didn't I do this years ago?
0: Yeah, (laughs) I know the feeling well. (laughs) You know, like, life is a risk, isn't it? You know, we don't actually know how things are going to turn out. Even if we think we've controlled everything that can be controlled, we don't know. Um, But, you know, and I think sometimes we use that overwhelming fear of the unknown to convince us not to try things or to not do things that are actually more in alignment with our values and and that's where some of that kind of discontentment can take root and I think again it wasn't unplanned it wasn't spur of the moment but it like there's action there's momentum there's energy behind Mm. the decisions that you made uh, which is totally different to just waiting to see what life will
2: bring us (laughs) you know yeah I think also because I kind of I think when I spoke to you last I was at the point where like I knew my was coming to an end but I, it wasn't really time to look for something else yet and that I was finding that really difficult because I was feeling like what should I do and actually doing this sort of stuff really helped me because it's like I'd done a lot of the work so when it came to the decisions that probably did need to be made quite quickly of are you going to accept the job or not I'd already made a lot of the done a lot of the groundwork so it was useful for me and that it was something I could do at the time that helped me kind of get ready for when the action was actually needed.
0: And that's a really important point too, I think, because sometimes we skip ahead in our plans and our decision-making. You know, we want to get to like the pointy end of things, but there's a process and you're kind of moving through it. I've spoken a bit before about the idea of finding ease, you know, like if, if there's no ease in making that decision, so there wouldn't have been any ease in you trying to figure out what job would be your next job because it wasn't the time to make that decision yet. So, you know, you find where that ease is. You can do that groundwork. You can lay that foundation of finding out your values and and figuring, starting to figure out what that actually looks like in your life so that when that shift comes and you find that there's ease behind the decision of what is my next step, you're able to take it. And, yeah, I think that's a really important thing. To highlight too, for like for myself as well, if you're not finding ease in a particular direction, maybe it's not quite time to take that step, and and look around and see what other things you can do that will will make it easier when it does come. We also spoke about writing your younger self a letter, telling her about your life now and what's great about it, and my my hope, I guess, for that was that it was going to elevate you out of that kind of period of not knowing that you found yourself and allow you to see how many choices how many you know how much progress you've made did you do that exercise in some kind of form
2: um what i did and i, I think a lot of people might have done this is uh, when it was new year and it was kind of the turn of the decade so it was going from the 2010s to 2020 it was really like a big time of reflection about 10 years ago where was i what did i want you know and for me i was a teenager then so like definitely changed a lot since then. Yeah. <laughs> anyway um but I think it was huge to actually see this like kind of big picture of 10 years like wow and seeing like not just the small things but the really massive things and like whether there were like big kind of themes within that and then looking ahead to the next 10 years like if those were the themes of the last decade what would I actually want going forward I guess it's the same thing of like even though your day-to-day can change so much like you go from school to you need to work, to living here, living there. There are still some constants in your life mm. that will run through it no matter what. And then what what are those going to be in the future? You know, if I had children or I don't know, other things that might come, what would those constants be still? So I think it was really interesting. And I'm sure a lot of other people kind of felt similarly when it was uh, the new year this year.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really wonderful opportunity, you know, the change of the day. Like New Year's even a year, but like particularly the change of a decade, because it really bookends a significant chunk of your life to be able to look back and see where you were and to see where you've come and what has changed and what is different. And as you say, what are the constants and what are the lessons? I'm really glad that you were able to, to spend some time doing that because I think it's incredibly powerful. Did you, was there anything that you recognised that, um, that surprised you or that maybe inspired you or encouraged you? I
2: think something that I noticed was just like how much the world has changed in those 10 years, mm. because at the time when I was like 10 years ago, I vividly remember, like, I think I just got Facebook or I had, you know, my phone didn't have internet, things like that. Right. And obviously <laughs> it things have so changed. foreign. So I know but it was it wasn't even that long ago and it's now like unthinkable a world without internet um and I actually found that quite liberating in a way and I think it was similar when um you and Justin were talking about how like smartphones and this constant access to work is very new
1: Mm -hmm.
2: it kind of made me think if this much can change in 10 years like how much can change in another 10 years um not necessarily in a good way not necessarily a bad way but just you can plan for the future but at the same time you don't know what's going to happen like nobody knew 10 years ago this is how the world was going to look so I think where in the past I've been very focused on like five-year plan this is where I want to be it kind of helped me just realize there's probably all these things out there that you don't even know about so you can't necessarily plan for everything right Mm. we don't know especially with everything going on uh, with the climate crisis at the moment like we don't know what the world's gonna look like in 10 years and so although that's very scary, at the same time, it's like kind of takes the pressure off like your individual life plans, if that makes sense.
0: It does make sense. Yeah. For me, it brings about a, a much sharper perspective, I guess. And it's interesting that maybe what I had hoped would come from writing your younger self a letter has come from from that realisation is that some of the, the day-to-day things that we tend to stress out about kind of pale into almost insignificance when we're viewing things from that ten year perspective, particularly through the lens of we don't know what it's going to look like in ten years, as you say, for better or worse. And that can be a really scary place, but it can also be a place where yeah, you're you're allowed to to live in amongst the un the not knowing.
2: Definitely, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a really, really interesting place to find ourselves I think it can and does and will for, for many people bring you know fear of the uncertainty and fear of the unknown and, and and fear of like the worst case scenario uh unfolding but I also think that if we allow it, it can bring us almost a um a lightning's the wrong word a shift I guess in in perspective and in the things that we we can control and the things that we can't control uh yeah it's I think it, it kind of it really does bear thinking about a little more. And I, I guess that sort of segues into the other thing that I wanted to talk to you briefly about was our conversation and something that became really, really obvious to me last season was that slow living as a term, slow living as an idea, is designed to kind of lighten the load on people. But what I've found is that it's actually causing quite a lot of stress uh, because we don't necessarily know what it looks like outside of what Instagram shows us that it looks like, you know, um, and it can feel like a lot of pressure to live or be in a certain way. And we spoke about you taking a break from your inputs, you know, from social media inputs that were causing you to question what it looked like and then to just sort of relax into what living a slower, more intentional life actually looked and felt like for you. Is that something that you have been able to play around with? I know you've had a busy few months, but... Mm
2: -hmm. something I did which has actually really helped was um because I've done like breaks from social media before but then I'll kind of just go back on it afterwards and it will just be the same kind of thing again um but what I did actually is basically unfollow every single Instagram account who I don't know personally Mm -hmm. so it's like bringing it back to like my immediate friends and family and I found that really helpful because I found that like a lot of there, there's certain ways that I really like to consume content. Like I love reading articles, I love podcasts, and I love YouTube. Um, but other than that, you know, I can still learn about a lot of these ideas without having to see it every day kind of mixed in amongst, you know, this person's birthday and this person's holiday. And it just felt a bit too much. Like I would kind of go on Instagram, you know, just as a, as a break, and then all these ideas coming from kind of left, right and centre. So I found actually... Limiting like the channels, if that makes sense. So, okay, I'm in the mood to like learn something, so I want to listen to a podcast, or I'm in the mood to just kind of see what my friends are up
0: to. It's a totally
2: different intentional choice,
0: then, isn't it? Because you're not, as you say, mixing. Like you'll head off to Instagram to see what your friends are up to, and all of a sudden you're bombarded with these ideas and you know these philosophies or these shifts and these kind of what they feel immediate like these these pressures to try these new things whereas if you sit down and you choose to watch a youtube video or you choose to read an article that's a totally different headspace to be in Um, and you're intentionally choosing to show up with the desire to learn something
2: and I think even a lot of accounts are more for educational for I don't mean typical influences like as in kind of fashion influences but you know any sort of educational or lifestyle stuff I love it and I'm so susceptible to that Mm. but at the same time I think when you're just seeing a picture it's very easy to put a lot of shoulds onto that whereas I think when you're listening to like a long-form conversation or reading an article it's it's a lot different because you're seeing there's a lot more nuance there rather than just kind of one picture
0: they offer a much typically offer a much more balanced view of what it is that they're talking about, yeah, rather than the one image, the usually idealised image, the posed and potentially, you know, photoshopped or, or professionally lit image, <laughs> which is yeah. Yeah, vastly different to listening to a conversation. Yeah, there's a whole other conversation to have about the rise of influencer culture in really worthy areas of life. Uh and, and how it's harming or helping or a mix of both, but we probably shouldn't go into that today. But it sounds like you've really, really done some incredible self-reflection over the last few months and paired that with action, you know, and I think that's a beautiful momentum to, to be in. How are you feeling now? You know, do you have anything that you're working towards, anything that, you know, you want to, to build upon?
2: Something this, this month or the next few months that I'm thinking about is like, a new routine Mm -hmm. so I've had a lot of upheaval so what's going to be my structure Um, and I think in the past I would have tried to just impose that design the perfect structure and just impose it on myself Mm -hmm. in a very kind of
0: rigid sort of way
2: exactly and I've been really proud that this month I've just kind of been like just moved let's just see what happens you know just letting things take shape yeah um yeah that's something that I'm thinking about is what do I want a sort of routine to be like? But instead of just designing it outwards and trying to, like, implement it, actually letting it kind of come forth from what happens naturally. You mm.
0: said so just letting things take shape, and I absolutely love that. There's sort of, there's ease in it, you know, and, and mm. there's empathy and kindness to yourself as well, just allowing things to take shape and, and then taking your cues from that. You're so right. It's It's, in a way, it's easier to design and impose this structure on ourselves like that's easier to do in one way because you know you've got the parameters and you know what happens when and what's expected of you um and to allow yourself to give yourself the permission to expand and grow and 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 find ease is it's it's not simple but there's so much allowing and permission that goes into that and that's phenomenal Lauren, I'm so stoked to hear where you are at and and what's happened over the last few months. I really am I, I just feel like the the shift has been it's been really inspiring actually to to talk to you and, and hear about how you've taken control of all of the things we spoke about and you know you're really making decisions based on uh, on those values that you worked so hard to uncover as well. I'm really really happy for incredibly happy for you.
2: Thank you and thank you so much for kind of your suggestions and jocelyn as well because it really did help me in terms of not necessarily in kind of big tangible ways but just the way i was thinking about situations and the way i was approaching things i have noticed a a really big difference yeah so thank
0: you it was an absolute pleasure and i'm excited to hear what the next what next stages of life hold for you as well Um, thank you again lauren it's been nothing short of delightful to talk to you
2: thank you Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.